Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Thank you very much. Look. Thank you so much. Well, here's the way I see it. Here's the way we see it, and the country should see it, that the people have spoken, and we respect the majesty of the democratic system. The people of the United States have made the choice, and of course I accept that decision, but I have to admit not with the same enthusiasm that I accepted the decision four years ago. Normally when election results are announced, whoever loses calls and concedes to the other candidate in presidential races. My uh, congratulations to Senator Kennedy for his fine race in this campaign. I just called uh, Governor Clinton over in Little Rock and offered my congratulations. And the person will come out and give some sort of nice speech about how hard everyone worked. My friends, we have... We have come to the end of a long journey. And thank the campaign, and then congratulate his or her opponent on winning. A little while ago, I had the honor of calling Senator Barack Obama to congratulate him. Uh, Last night, I congratulated Donald Trump and offered to work with him on behalf of our country. Of course, Trump is breaking the norm on this as well and has not given any sort of concession speech. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Nancy Cook on the president who won't concede. So since election night, President Trump has largely been out of public view. Good evening. I'd like to provide the American people with an update on our efforts to protect the integrity of our very important 2020 election. Uh, We saw him. He gave a briefing at the White House Thursday. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. But otherwise, we haven't heard from him. And my reporting shows he's been watching a lot of TV. Welcome aboard, folks. We've got two more hours of Fox and Friends, world's number one cable morning news show. Thanks to folks like you. That's right. Okay, so what's going to happen today? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they launched their transition website. Their top He's been calling people. He went golfing this weekend. You can actually hear from the White House grounds the sounds of construction of uh, workers building the inauguration stands that will line Pennsylvania Avenue outside of the White House for the inauguration in January. So things are really moving ahead, but we haven't heard from President Trump. He hasn't given a concession speech. He has not called Joe Biden to congratulate him or wish him well. And meanwhile, what is happening around the president is his campaign aides are telling uh, people at the campaign headquarters on Monday morning that they should keep fighting. The president and his allies are still casting questions about the election results and the integrity of the ballots. And so, you know, the whole country really started to move on Saturday morning when a bunch of news networks and the AP called the race for Biden and Biden gave a speech. The people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory. But the Trump people so far are really unwilling to publicly go there and admit that Trump lost and sort of start to move on, even though really the country is moving on. Trump and some of his most ardent supporters have stuck by these baseless claims of voting fraud and have made several challenges, legal challenges, against some of the results of the election called for recounts. What exactly are these legal efforts and how legit are they? Like, could they change anything at this point? 
So I talked to Trump people over the weekend, um, advisors, political advisors, campaign people, and no one thought that there was really any merit to these lawsuits or the questions that they're raising. No one thought that it would change the course of the election. People are doing this, one, because it gives a way for the president to save face, um, and it gives a way for them to sort of always try to put an asterisk on the idea that this was not a legitimate election somehow and there were problems with the ballots, when in fact, there weren't really problems. There weren't problems at all. There weren't problems with the ballots. There was nothing nefarious happening. But it gives Trump a way to save face and just to say to his base, hey, look, uh, you know, the election was rigged. It wasn't fair and square. It gives him a way to leave the White House on terms that he feels comfortable with because he has always thought that Biden was a very bad candidate and he never wanted to leave to Biden. So we're running against perhaps the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. Can you believe this? This is sort of one of his worst nightmares that's happening. And so he's never just going to concede and be gracious about it. While all of this is happening, Joe Biden, the president-elect, is preparing to take office. I sought this office to restore the soul of America, to rebuild the backbone of this nation, the middle class, and to make America respected around the world again. What does Trump's refusal to concede mean for the transition to January 20th? So no concession actually means a bunch of things for the transition. What it means is that uh, the General Services Administration, which is the part of the government that's involved in the transition, they need um, sort of certified results. And so if they are not accepting the results of the election, which they're not, that means that they're going to have to wait until mid-December for the Electoral College to certify the results. So that six-week delay means that the Biden people will not get office space yet in in federal government buildings, which they normally would in a transition, and which Trump got after he won the election. It means that there's about, I think, about $7 million in transition money uh, that's just part of the federal government budget for a transition. They won't have access to that. They won't necessarily be able to get their people's security clearances, which is a huge thing. If you have an incoming president, you need to start that security clearance process. So on day one, your secretary of defense or your national security advisor is able to get briefings and information that he or she needs. And so it's actually a huge deal to have the transition drag out like this. Regardless of this whole situation, Trump is in office until January 20th when Biden is set to take over. This is what's usually called a lame duck period for a president when they have less power, essentially. What do you expect Trump to do over the next two months? So Trump is actually going to be really busy over the next two months. Last week, his advisors were telling him, just act like the election didn't happen and just start your second term. And all my reporting over the last few days has shown that that's going to happen. There's a bunch of people that Trump has wanted to fire for a long time. And we already saw him starting to do those firings on Monday when he fired the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, and replaced him with an acting person. Other people that I will be watching for him to fire will be the FBI director and the CIA director, because those are people that he has long viewed as people who didn't stand up to what he views the deep state, or they didn't launch investigations into rivals that he wanted, like Hunter Biden. And so he is going to try to fire those people. The other thing that I think he is really going to do is put out a bunch of executive orders. I talked to a Trump person this morning who said, they're going to try to do executive orders on health care, um, education, potentially school vouchers, trade, manufacturing, 
potentially um, some things around tax cuts if they can. They really want to do these executive orders, one, because they want to sort of push the conservative agenda that they've put forth as far as they can before Trump actually leaves office on January 20th. But then secondly, they want to sort of gum up uh, the policy making for Biden a little bit and just put more on his incoming administration's plate in terms of things that they have to undo. And then I guess you also still have the pandemic and the possibility that Trump's White House might need to be doing work soon with a vaccine, right? Absolutely. Uh, We saw really promising news from Pfizer that it seems like they have a vaccine that could potentially work. And so that's another key thing I'll be watching, not just with the vaccine, but with the whole pandemic. How do they handle the pandemic? What do they do around coronavirus? What do they do around the vaccine? What do they do? Because it's not just developing a vaccine. There's also plans for how are you going to distribute the vaccine? Who will get it? And so I think a lot of people, particularly in the Biden camp, what they're worried about is that either the Trump administration won't take enough action on fighting the coronavirus between now and then, and then they'll inherit sort of a terrible situation, or that the Trump administration will sort of gum things up with the vaccine development or distribution, and that the Biden people People will have to come in and sort of take it over. So I think that's another really key area to watch. Nancy Cook, thanks so much for talking with me. Anytime. Thanks, Jeremy. Also today, Republican Senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue of Georgia are calling on the state's GOP Secretary of State to resign, citing failures in the election process, but they aren't providing any evidence to support their claims. In a joint statement, the senators said, quote, the secretary of state has failed to deliver honest and transparent elections. He's failed the people of Georgia and he should step down immediately, though they did not point to specific examples of voting issues or irregularities. The Georgia Republicans will both face runoff elections on January 5th, that'll determine which party controls the Senate under a Biden presidency. Democrats need to win both seats to win a 50-50 Senate majority with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says James Jeffrey, the U.S. Special Representative for Syria Engagement, is retiring from his post. Jeffrey is a respected veteran diplomat who served as ambassador to Iraq, Turkey, and Albania, and was a vocal never-Trumper during the 2016 campaign. He came out of retirement in 2018 to serve the Trump administration as the point person on Syria, and sometimes butted heads with the president's policies, particularly with Trump's numerous attempts to withdraw troops from Syria. In a statement, Secretary Pompeo said, Ambassador Jeffrey epitomizes the very best of our diplomatic corps, adding, quote, Jim is an American patriot of the highest order. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Nerdcast, Politico Energy, Pulse Check, Women Rule, and Global Translations. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.